Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Samir. Today's episode of The Colin and Samir Show is an interview with Hayden Hillier-Smith. He's been Logan Paul's editor since Logan started uploading to YouTube. So he's seen a lot in the YouTube world. Now we interviewed Hayden for our episode of The Breakdown, which is live now on our YouTube channel, all about YouTube boxing and about how the Paul brothers have had a lasting impact on the boxing industry. If you wanna watch that episode and see how this interview fit in, uh, definitely go check that out. It's live on our YouTube channel right now. But we wanted to play this audio for all of you because the interview as a whole was so interesting. Yes such a good perspective on storytelling and on what works on YouTube, considering his videos have generated in the hundreds of millions of views on YouTube. Also, Hayden's accent is just fantastic to listen to, uh, and I could listen to it all day. Now, just a quick note before we start the episode, if you do typically listen to the Colin and Smear show in the car with your kids or at home with your kids, just know Hayden does drop a couple of F-bombs, so fair warning to you. Now, if you wanna hear more thoughts and more perspective on YouTube boxing, we will be covering that in our newsletter, The Published Press. That comes out every Tuesday and Friday. If you aren't subscribed yet, go to thepublishedpress.com, subscribe to the newsletter. You'll get Creator Economy News every Tuesday, every Friday into your inbox for free. All right, now without further ado, our interview with Hayden Hillier-Smith. So how did you uh, how did you first get introduced to Logan Paul? How did you become his editor? So the the job I had before with Logan was I used to work for this Facebook video company, and I honestly hated the content that I made for them, and also hated the boss. And so, quite frankly, I told him to go fuck himself, and he rightfully fired me. And then because of that, uh, the word went round because this is not the boss you're meant to tell to fuck off. And word went round, and it somehow got to Logan. And Logan was like, that's the kid I want. That's the kid I need to hire. And so when me and Logan work creatively, I tell him to go fuck himself every day. <laughs> but it's part of the dynamic. It's part of the way that we work together creatively. How to get a job with Logan Paul. That's a good, uh, <laughs> that's a good <laughs> question. Um, and what was the first video you edited for Logan? It was literally the second channel on his video. He edited the first vlog and went, nope, I hate this. I need to hire an editor. And then just like reached out into the ether and found me. And then every since then, every single video that's been posted on his channel, I have edited. Wow. So this is fast forwarding in time a little bit, obviously, but you've seen so many iterations of Logan and seen him go through so many moments. When he finally decided to start boxing and agreed to fight KSI, what were you thinking? So... Honestly, I was scared. We were at a bit of a low moment in the career and he was being quite self-destructive. And I thought this was another outlet for that, for him to be self-destructive and for him to get hurt. And so there's no way he's going to beat this kid. This, this kid is now a trained boxer and you're going to have to do this in like two, three months. Absolutely not. You just want to see yourself get hurt again. And honestly, I'm really happy that you proved me wrong. Cause, uh, yeah, I think that, and that's part of what he does. He proves everyone wrong. He proves everyone's prejudice about him wrong. But I was, like I said, really concerned for him and he came out on top. You, you talk a lot about storytelling. Um, and I'm just curious, like at the point he was at in his career, like how did this impact the narrative of Logan Paul, um, in the public eye? Boxing could not have actually come at a better time for Logan because, he was the most hated person on the internet and everyone loves to see a career crumble and burn. It's honestly one of the most entertaining things in the world. And so everyone was watching this 
And this was Logan's opportunity for him to turn to the world and just say no. And he wanted to take back the control of his narrative. He wanted to take back the control of his story. And the boxing was the answer for that. Did you feel like this was going to be a long-term thing for him when it started? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I had no conception how long this was going to last. I, I thought it was just going to be the one-time thing. He'll go to the first fight, win the fight, we move on. I didn't realize that this is going to be what is now his main focus of the career three years later. Did it feel like his content had purpose to it prior? And if so, what was the purpose to the content prior to boxing? There wasn't any purpose to the content he was making before. It was just film anything and everything every single day with zero intention to how and where it's going to end. And it was aimless. And then now moving forwards, and one of the big things that I think Logan and Lars definitely discovered during the process of this is uh, boxing gave like a deadline, as in this is now something to look forward to, this is now something to build towards. And especially in uh, with the Logan, we were now able to give them a long-term narrative, a long-term story. Prior to this, it's with the daily vlogging, you, uh, you you watch that vlog of what happened that day, and it 99% of the time it has zero relation to what happened to the next day. And so the story is in and out, you forget about it. This one, it's now a series. There's now five to 10 videos all leading up to the finale, the season finale, the boxing mm. fight. And so now that's a far more engaging story and far more uh, fulfilled, like, like uh, satisfying memory to create for the low gang and for the audiences that engage in this. And so that became a far more interesting experience for us as creatives and, uh, and in the long term, a much better experience for audiences to engage in a long term story. Was there a moment where you felt like, oh, wow, this narrative and these stories we're telling are not are no longer within the confines of just YouTubers? My realization of when it transcended was when my 80-year-old neighbor was asking about this. As soon as the people outside of the demographic of Logan were asking about when the next fight is, and even actually even recently asking about the Mayweather fight, that's when I realized that we were able to break out of that bubble of Logan's uh, initial demographic and actually definitely fit into the mainstream, um, into the mainstream bubble, which is incredibly rare and really difficult to achieve for a YouTube creator. And many creators have tried and have unfortunately didn't quite uh, make it work. The few creators who have, such as Bo Burnham, are a really good testament to like breaking away from web media. Logan is now the freshest example of breaking out of uh, web media and actually being part of the mainstream celebrity culture. How familiar were you with boxing prior to working with Logan on, on his boxing stuff? Never. I, I'd never even seen a boxing fight in my life. I don't even think I even saw a pair of boxing gloves in my life. The funny thing is when I had to start editing the boxing content, uh, I sent uh, my first draft of, to Logan of some of his training and sparring stuff. And Logan is like, what the fuck is this? And the reason why is because I didn't know what was a good hit. I didn't know what was a good dodge. I didn't know what was a good slip. And so I even took up boxing myself and studied it and, and, and hired a, a professional boxer to teach me it as well. I'm pretty good, which is why I want to do an editing. <laughs> I, I want to challenge someone to a boxing fight because I don't think people have seen how good I am of a boxer now. <laughs> so, yeah, do you want to fight? <laughs> I mean, here we go, live. Yes, I'm in. Wow. I mean, hey, but, I'm, but I need time to train. If, we okay, get, if you've been being trained, I, yeah. need, to, I need to start training.
if we get a boxing gym in the yeah. valley yeah. to do a part of this shoot in, we'd love to have you spark on. There's your hook. There it is. <laughs> yeah, there's the hook. Hey, now call you. That'll be uh, genuinely, I'll, I'll be down. I'll be down. I'll wipe the floor with you, by the way. But yeah, right, let's do right. that. Yeah. I mean, here we go. The trash talk is starting. You'd so. wipe the floor with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I need a couple of musicians. I need to make a diss track on you now as well. Did you edit the diss track music videos? Yes. Yeah, I even edited the diss track music videos as well. Again, crazy turnaround. Uh, yeah. one, of the, one of the most intense moments for us was, I think, three days before the first KSI fight, he drops his diss track. And uh, from their camp, they were convinced they were not able to respond. And this was the moment that I think just proves how much of a hard worker Logan is. Most camps would go, oh, fuck, we're screwed. Uh, we, we won't be able to respond to this. Logan, in the middle of training, before he's meant to do the biggest fight of his life, went, all right, let's make a track. Called up a couple of musicians in London, wrote the lyrics on the car ride over there, recorded it straight away, and then the next day we were filming it, and in that night I edited it. It was a 24-hour turnaround from when we wow. realized there was a diss track released. It was genuinely incredibly intense, but a really good representation of just how hard of a worker Logan is. I've never seen anything like that. Why do you think it has been so seamless for creators to come in and like for Jake to be the third highest paid boxer of 2020? There was just a gap. There was just a, a vacuum of story, I would say. Uh, the, 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 the case in point, as uh, I didn't know about boxing particularly until this started. Uh, I didn't, if you told me who the most famous boxer in the world was when it started, I would have no idea. I didn't know Floyd ever existed. I didn't know who Mike Tyson is. Probably, I, I, wasn't he the guy who cameoed from The Hangover? I don't know. <laughs> uh, the industry didn't exist for my generation, uh, for like millennials and, and Zoomers. We didn't care about that industry. And because of that, there was opportunity. And that's why it transcended so quickly, because there was nothing to stop YouTube creators uh, from my perspective, saving that industry because it was in absolute trouble. The UFC was taking over. Everyone was watching Conor McGregor in the UFC and no one knew who modern boxers were. And so there was just an absolute vacuum and an opportunity that these guys filled in that space overnight. What do you think it is specifically about boxing as a sport that lends itself to storytelling? I mean, there are other sports clearly that Gen Z and millennials are not interested in. Right. But YouTubers aren't getting into those sports. I had a friend who asked me, about Logan it was like, well, why isn't he just playing tennis? I think there's a multitude of two things happening here. One, we can't ignore the fact that a lot of internet content is based in drama. And prior to this was diss tracks. And, th and those were a lot of fun because, you know, like he, th th this guy does a rap with some like catchy insults and then the other creator then does a melody of exposing this, like the other, the opponent's secrets. But it just was a really underwhelming ending because all this drama is built up and we're getting all excited and then it just fades. And in the end, it's really inconclusive. And so with that drama became a very natural answer for boxing to actually finally be that well, finale, that climax, that finally these two are going at it and now we're going to get to see them fight. And what was also very entertaining about all of this is because this is to a degree amateur boxing, it's scrappy, it's dirty, 
It's uh, unpredictable. Honestly, it, when I've watched these fights, it feels like I'm back in high school, uh, watch it, watching watching friends fight in the playground to a degree. Because and that also comes to like a cultivation of drama. These two kids in class are arguing, and then they fight it out on the playground. This is still pretty much just the natural progression of that. Yeah, that's good. It's it's the most relatable form of fighting, perhaps yeah. far more relatable than actually watching Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's still to a degree authentic because the fights are still so relatively unprofessional that it's incredibly entertaining because of how un and that makes it so unpredictable and in and uh, just dirty and fun to watch. That's really interesting. You think about reality television, Jersey Shore, real world. A lot of the marquee moments of the show are when two guys get in a fight. Right. Mm, yeah, those are the best parts. Those are what people talk about. It is exactly. It's reality television. That's what people tweet about. That's what people share about on TikTok and Instagram. It's unfortunate that that's what gets the most engagement out of storytelling. That type of physicality and that type of uh, just dirty drama, which is unfortunate. I think personally, you know, I, I would prefer different types of storytelling potentially personally, but. Uh, you, we can't ignore the fact that it does work, and mm. so uh, you can so you therefore you can still embrace it. But is it different what Jake and Logan are doing? Because you know Jake has signed a multi-fight deal with Showtime. Mm. Think about that in comparison to the Social Gloves event, which was definitely dirty and raw. Uh, is 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 what Jake and Logan are doing different from that? Yes, um, this is the next step in the in the transcendence. What's different about that is a whole new form of where this is going. Most fighters start with nothing and they have to work their way up and then they have to create that legacy. They have to create that name. They then have to be 20 and 0 before people even start taking them seriously. By having a social following by, of millions of followers means that you get to jump that first stepping stone massively. You can then bring in audiences instantly. And I think that's been the big attraction and new audiences as well. And so I think that's definitely been the big attraction. And now, yes, we are moving from the scrappiness that Social Gloves was. I think that Social Gloves is a really good reminder of where this has started. But now what Jake and Logan are doing now is still, uh, I think, developing to where it's going to be next. And the speed run of how that career has been building up to the audiences that they can convert into buying those pay-per-views instantly is something that so many boxers are incredibly envious of so much so that you now see boxers building up their following on social media as much as they are training as a fighter now as well they've seen the potential are there any specific boxers you could call out who are making an effort on social now Dylan Dennis is the best example right now. There's a couple of drama pages that talk about uh, and and like like X X person tweeted at this person and th and this person having a bit of a drama. And Dylan Dennis is commenting on every single boxing related uh, news, and he is constantly calling out Jake and Logan. He's calling out uh, Ryan Garcia. It's another also great example of well of using social media. He is a boxer and he's also a social media influencer. And one of the problems with being a boxer is you're only relevant twice a year. And so there's two big waves for you, but then there's gaps, but then you can use social media to fill in those gaps in between those two fights that you do a year. 
And so he is now seeing the best of both worlds. And what that then means over time, that actually means you then get more conversions and more people being interested and invested in you as a fighter because they're seeing you more so every day on social media. And so that's been one of the biggest answers for the boxing as an industry as it was struggling before social media got involved. Ryan Garcia is the best example of how the boxing industry is now responding to this new trend. That's really interesting yeah, to think really about. You know, if you're an athlete in the NBA, you have 100 plus opportunities a year to yeah. make headlines. The idea that you need to like not be on social media if you're a sportsman is an incredibly outdated idea. And so I love the fact that industries and I think the example of Jake and Logan, Ryan Garcia is a really good example for other sports to really now start considering allowing their athletes to be a lot more prominent in social media. There's a lot of people who don't agree with the statement that Logan and Jake saved boxing. Mm. What do you think about that sentiment? Like the, the people who disagree with that and potentially say that they're harming the sport. I understand. The industry changed dramatically because of this influence. And it's understandable when change happens that drastically and that at that such an incredible speed, you're going to go, well, what the hell's happened here? Oh, what happened to the good old days? I, I think, to be honest, this might be a bit rude to say, but that's their problem. If they don't roll with what happens next. And then, unfortunately, you do get left behind. But I also understand what you know as the industry changes and how that alienates you and you don't relate to it. And so I do understand that. Uh, but unfortunately, I don't think I have that much empathy as I probably should have for those who actively deny the influence that Logan and Jake and KSI and other YouTube uh, boxing influencers have in revolutionizing the space or taking it into a new direction that millions of people watch because you can complain, but you can't deny the numbers. And right. if the audience is responding, then the industry is still there. Can you talk about a boxing match itself and how it mirrors in three-act structure? I think the boxing match is the finale it's the climax that's the that's the third act act one is the announcement that is the this story has started guys and let's do some world building let's have them chirp at each other on twitter or then do a couple videos about each other about how i'm a better boxer this person's a better boxer that's act one that's the world building act two is identifying who's going to be the underdog who's going to be the uh, the, the assumed victor and that's also shown with the press conferences this is the mid-fight where one of them is going to have to lose this press conference. That then kicks off the journey of like, okay, that means I have to train harder to be able to beat this person because he beat me at the press conference. He was wittier than me. He was funnier than me. He embarrassed me. I now need to make sure that I can put up a fight so I can show him who's the real boss in that boxing fight. And that then leads up to the finale, the climax, the final battle the Avengers coming in versus the DC superheroes. This is a huge moment that everyone is glued to the screen for, that climax, that final battle, who is going to win, and one of them comes out up top. And it's unpredictable. And that's always the most fun part. And so that's how I always see it's li literally boxing is designed and the people who do boxing traditionally know this as well, that that is the act one, two, and three structure that you do for a boxing fight. Yeah, I feel like that's the opportunity now with, you know, 
with, with the concept of like being promoters, right? Like a boxing yeah. promoter is essentially a, a, a live performance movie maker, right? It's a storyteller who's saying like, this is how this story is going to unfold. Yeah. So do you feel like the opponents of Jake and Logan benefit from this storytelling structure? Funny you say that. That's actually been the biggest issue that Logan and Jake have been having. KSI spoiled them. Logan says something online, KSI will respond. And there's your story. Jake was trying so hard with Ben Askren to get him to respond, to make something. And that actually became a really, really good narrative because the narrative was Ben Askren going, no, I'm not going to play your game. Mm. And that actually made it really, really engaging because of that. But it's still been making it very difficult. Uh, Logan was struggling to get Mayweather to respond. You know, he tweeted him a po- couple times, po- tagged him on IG, trying to get him to make something so they can get some headlines. And Mayweather didn't give a crap mm-hmm. until the hat was taken. <laughs> and then finally the story was made. Uh, Jake definitely identifies, and I think because of his experience with Ben, knows that if you don't get a response, you got to force it. And he may gave Mayweather no choice but to respond when he invaded his private space and took his hat, knowing full well that Mayweather is very self-conscious about his head of hair because he, uh, I think he had that hair, hair transplant. So he was very self-conscious. And so Jake went, there we go. There's, that's what makes him tick. Played, played that game and off he went. Finally, yeah. I, I mean, again, and, yeah. and like Logan, I think Logan knows this as well. The story wasn't that engaging until that happened. And yeah. that's been the biggest problem I think Logan and Jake have had. And I think four boxers today need to understand that they need to build a reason for us to watch the fight now. The fight's not enough anymore. Mm-hmm. We want to see the reason why you want to end that ring and why you want to hurt this person. And that's what's yeah. been the biggest transcendence that Logan and Jake have identified and are now hoping and pushing for other boxers who are not in, particularly in the YouTube space to try and create their narratives as the fight builds up. I think what's interesting is I think what you've identified is like how Logan and Jake have saved boxing is actually mm-hmm. the introduction of storytelling through the medium of social media. Yes. That is the actual tangible answer to the question, how did they save boxing? Well, they introduced the most important piece of selling a boxing match, which is storytelling, and then they introduce the tools to do it, which is social media. It's the why. Why do I want to yeah. see this fight? Because those two hate each other. Why do I know that? Because they've been hating each other on Twitter. Yeah. They've been fighting on press conferences. They've uh, been making YouTube videos against each other. I have now seen the why and why I want to watch this fight. They mm. identified the gap in the market and it is story. And prior to this, as mentioned, there wasn't enough story. And yeah. now there is. And that is so exciting for viewers to see why and who is going to win prior to that buildup. I mean, you are a massive part of that storytelling engine that has made that happen. What are some of the uh, pieces that you've been most proud of or have enjoyed the most in this journey of tracking Logan and telling his story? I think the most obvious answer would be the Maverick documentary. That mm-hmm. was more of a personal journey for me because uh, I expressed all of myself through that. But honestly, the most recent video, the one prior to Logan's fight uh, with Mayweather, because that was a video that we edited in less than five hours. It was filmed that afternoon and it was out like less than five hours later. 
because for me, that was a testament of the journey that Logan has been on. Almost four years ago, he was the most hated person on the planet. And he has been learning, he's been growing, and he's become a better person. And he has been scaling up to what he can be as a creator. And there was a moment where I was convinced he couldn't go any bigger. And it wasn't until I was backstage and I saw him facing off with Floyd Mayweather, towering over him, that I suddenly realized this was real. That I suddenly realized where, where I then looked back and saw to where we started, where I thought he was self-destructive and I thought he was going in there to purposely embarrass himself and potentially hurt himself seriously because he was self-destructive to now fighting the greatest boxer on the planet. This fight was going to happen and it was shown in that video. And that was a feeling I had when editing that video and when we got it live. And I literally, I remember looking around in Logan's hotel room like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> How did we get here? This is crazy. And I'm loving every second of it. And that's why for me right now, that video is my favorite because of that moment that we published it. Wow, I love that. That's so cool. Uh, now I'm gonna ask you on the contrary, on the flip side, when was the last time you told Logan to fuck off? About two days ago, because I've been moving house and he's been, and he's been wanting me to edit a video. <laughs> so I was like, Logan, you got to wait a week at moving house. No, it is it now, fuck off. And he has to thing. I might be fired, I don't know. <laughs> Shit, how am I gonna pay for this house now? <laughs> That's so good. Have you watched a boxing match outside of one of Logan's? Like, are you now a fan of boxing? I watched boxing films. So I think Creed, Rocky, obviously, uh, Snatch uh, with yeah. by Guy Ritchie. I watch those now because for me, I like to study how other filmmakers are representing boxing because you have to elevate the experience on film, it's, you can't just have two people hit. Um, you need to be able to represent it in a much uh, intense way. Rocks That Bleed is another great example. So actually, I think I'm watching boxing as a narrative tool rather than the actual boxers. Uh, the I did watch Social Gloves and I did really enjoy that, but that's actually the only other live boxing fight I've ever seen. Got it, yeah. Mm. Social Gloves I found to be really entertaining. Primarily because of how yeah. unpredictable, every single match was so unpredictable. So I guess the question, my last question for you is why is unpredictability so important in storytelling? Because when you expect something and then you get it, that's actually disappointing. So when you can't predict what's going to happen next, it's shocking. And that's why boxing is so entertaining. Wow. Nice. Hey, and you're dropping bars. Yeah. Today. Yeah. This is good. <laughs> I really, I'm in my head going, fuck yeah, Hayden. This is like, this is my, this is I'm, doing, I'm, I'm enjoying this right now. I'm really enjoying this. I, I, yeah, but yeah. So how do you retain the level of authenticity that Logan's known for in a highly produced environment like, like boxing? Authenticity is lost when what makes you distinguishable is diminished. And the best way of putting it, if what you do can be copy and pasted onto another creator and it still feels the same and there was no difference, then you failed. Authenticity is gone. So the best way to put this is with what we've seen Logan do, could you put that on another creator and get the same results? Could Austin McBroom 
walk out wearing a BGS 10 Charizard, uh, it's not going to feel the same because we, ha we don't have that story. And so therefore there's no authenticity there. Who is able to take himself seriously, but still be goofy enough to walk out with the greatest showman soundtrack? Who is in the final round against one of the biggest boxers on the planet, raise his hand, scream and like, and stick his tongue out at him. That's Logan Paul. And we know that's Logan Paul. We've not lost any of Logan's personality on this journey. He has maintained his own unique expression throughout the journey. And that means he's been maintaining his authenticity. The Charizard example is fantastic, actually, because that doubles down on the point around you're building the narrative in between the fights. And then that narrative mm. that people are following on social media is actually showing up in the fights, too. Like the Pokemon narrative is outside of the confines of his boxing narrative. But it actually, you were able to merge the two and create an experience for Logan Paul fans who are Logan Paul social media fans. When they watch the boxing match, they're like, oh yeah, he's doing the Pokemon thing. I like that. It's the Logan Paul cinematic universe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Each of these narratives have got their unique objectives, but they're still in the same universe and there is zero separation from that. And that BGS 10 Char Charizard was the connection between him being a boxer and also him still being a YouTube creator. I remember seeing you at Logan Paul KSI 2 at the Staples Center. Mm. We were there. I think we were sitting like right by you. I don't remember exactly where you were. But you spent a lot of time creating this digital brand and creating Logan Paul and having him, you know, essentially go out to millions of people online. But being there physically at the Staples Center, like how did, how did you feel like the what was the reaction of the crowd? How was the energy? Like what do you feel like the physical manifestation of all of that work is? I always hear the metaphor, if a thousand people watch your video, that's a imagine those thousand people in a stadium. And just to get that perspective of how many people are watching you. For me, that actually happened. That was the, the one true moment where I actually walked into a stadium and I saw the thousands of people who actively watch his content. And it was a truly changing moment of like actually the physical representation of seeing the people who do watch him. Oh you guys exist because sometimes we focus on the numbers too much and forget that actually there's a face to each of those numbers. And so for me, there was actually quite an overwhelming experience because when me and Logan work together creatively, it's us two and that's it. And then it goes out and then we move on to the next video. And then to see how many people are so engaged in what it is that we do, and what me and Logan work together creatively. And as I said, seeing those people exist, it's sometimes scary, I would say, because you don't really know the scale of what it is that you're doing until you see the actual visual representation mm. of it. And that's actually quite an overwhelming moment because as I said, me and Logan, it's in and out, it's very casual, but for millions of people, it's the best part of their day. Right. Mm. And it's still an odd experience. I still struggle to find words for, but it's also, but it's a very humbling and very, uh, like wholesome moment for me to realize what type of entertainment that we're doing and how people are so emotionally invested in it. It's just a, it's a, it's just a beautiful moment for me. Right. That's awesome. All right, that's it this week for the Colin and Samir show. Definitely go check out our breakdown episode. We put a ton of work into it. We're really proud of it. Uh, it's live on YouTube right now. Uh, check that out. And next week, we have a special episode of the Colin and Samir show. It is our interview 
with Mr. Beast. I'm super excited to show that to all of you guys. And thank you to everyone who's listening at this point in the podcast. Uh, you guys are amazing. We love you guys. Thank you so much for supporting us. Check out the breakdown on YouTube and we will see you next week. Right.